Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. I think a lot of people don't truly understand what it means to uh, lead a business, to start businesses, to put everybody else ahead of yourself, literally. If the employees don't get paid, I don't get paid. If the suppliers don't get paid, you don't get paid. So putting the time and the effort and energy is most important. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand that, you know. This is James Gear, founder and president of 555 International, an interior design and specialty manufacturing firm, helping leading edge operators create memorable experiences and they work with great brands like Lululemon, Hot Rock Cafe Hotels, and many others. But it doesn't stop there. James is a hospitality entrepreneur by heart, operating great venues in Chicago like Morganson, Fulton, Marvin's Food, and Fuel, and other ventures. According to James, hospitality is in the root of every successful business aspect. This philosophy has now been the foundation for a groundbreaking new master degree program in entrepreneurial hospitality that he helped develop at Tulane University AB Freeman School of Business. And we talk about hospitality entrepreneurship in this conversation, design, the new era of hospitality, the staffing crisis, purpose and culture, staying in business for more than four decades, leadership and how to think big. Before you tune in, Please sign up for a weekly newsletter, pack with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Now, grab a notebook and tune in. Enjoy. Today, we're going to be talking about the, the power of actually, you know, transforming our hospitality business skills and practices to other parts of the world, to other industries, to other domains that normally wouldn't look at hospitality as the main go-to place to learn business skill. And uh, I'm very excited that I connected for some time ago and had a couple of conversations with James, our guest today, about this subject and why he's so passionate about it. And uh, he has an incredible journey you'll find out in a second. But first of all, welcome to the, the show, James. It's an absolutely pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure to be here. I'm very excited for our conversation. I already tried to set the scene a bit, but like you, you sent me an email with, with you know all the jobs you've had in your life since you were in your early teens and uh, companies you've been involved in, your entrepreneurial journey. It's decades and decades and decades. So... I will leave it to you. I, I normally say in it, I wanted the guest to do an elevator pitch, but I think your story is so strong and there's so many milestones. And, and we talked a bit about a book I uh, recommended to you, The Alchemist. I talk a lot about The Alchemist here on the show. And, and that, that, this, is a, this is the journey to The Alchemist in the end. There's no doubt about that. So can you just give people like you know, a bit of who you are, what you're involved in, your stories, and, and why we sit here today and have this conversation. Why not? Thank you. Um, I guess I would have to start off by saying uh, my journey, my story, that list of jobs, which is as long as your forearm from your, your, your elbow to your fingertips, uh, is, is truly a journey in the, in the world of service uh, and hospitality and looking to provide a quality experience, provide a a quality product, make sure people go away and feel great about an engagement, a reputation with you, the products, the services, how you represent, um, and come back in business, recommend you, uh, 
believe in your product, join up with uh, what we believe in. So um, I've learned it from the ground up, starting as a paper boy, delivering papers early in the morning at nine years old before school and and then having to go and ask for tips at Christmas time and, you know, the importance of good service and making sure that paper got where it needed to on time. Uh, but worked all the way up through the hotel industry and many aspects of the hotel, both uh, from uh, the pool and the kitchen and the maintenance department and truly understand the working of uh, the hotel industry. And uh, throughout my journey and uh, providing services and, and counsel and invite, advice and leadership, uh, leaving me starting my uh, first business in 1988, about 34 years ago, along with opening my first restaurant and bar at the same time. Uh, and the culmination of what I'd learned working in and around restaurants and, and around the hotel business and providing uh, uh, advice and, and garnering great experience and using something for that. So I started 555 uh, International uh, in 1988, the same year that I opened a restaurant bar on the north side of Chicago, both in Chicago, a place called Union. Uh, and that was really the culmination of what I had learned both in that service industry, but I also went to school uh, as a fine artist and a sculptor by birth and passion, but wanted to use my, my skills in manufacturing and materials and processes uh, to get a degree in industrial engineering and industrial design and build a business that was in and around servicing the hospitality industries, the retail industries, where we would design environments, conceptualize the environments, and then build and manufacture all the cool shit that goes into those environments. So 555 International uh, in Chicago, about 300,000 feet of specialty manufacturing, wood, metal, lighting, signage, all the great stuff that goes into projects, not only our projects, but many other projects. We work for a lot of the top brands, uh, a lot of the top contractors that need that expert skill that brings the entirety of a, of a highly executed uh, project together. At the same time, as I said, getting into uh, owner, operator, designer, builder of our first place led me to consistently be in that career uh, and have consistently been involved with not just design and build through 555, counsel, advise uh, those that want to be in the restaurant and the retail business and how best to go about it, both with experience and without experience. My, my, my clientele and leadership and uh, confidence in what we do and experience leaves it that after a period of time, after a few projects with us, and we understand all aspects of the business, not just the design build, the front of house, the back of house as well, the importance of how both are going to work together. So through my experience as an owner operator, designer builder, really bringing the opportunity to get entire projects done with the confidence that both the owner operator side and then the customer guest experience and front of house side work well together. Um, consistently to this day, operate uh, a large venue in Chicago, Marvin's Food and Fuel, a restaurant at the corner of Fulton Market and uh, Morgan Street, and then Morgan's on Fulton, a uh, beautiful rooftop, uh, special events and catering facilities with multiple levels. So uh, have a place up by Wrigley Field, Deuce's uh, MLB, which is a big bar and restaurant where the Cubs play in that area. And then out in Cody, Wyoming, we have the best steakhouse in Cody, Wyoming, the Cody Steakhouse. So the culmination of all this is where we are today. I'm in my office here at 555 early in the morning. Uh, and then I move on in the afternoon to uh, the Fulton Market District and get involved with our operations over there. It's absolutely fascinating journey, uh, James. And uh, I'm looking forward to dive into we talk about that because you start all these businesses and often when people do that, they have a deep purpose. That's like, you know, it's not just that I want a lot of restaurants. That's like a purpose you're living out through these different vehicles of businesses, the philosophy. Can, can you share that with us and what the umbrella has been for, for building, you know, this journey and that your little empire in a way? I, nobody was going to pay me to do brain surgery. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to figure out things that I was good at. Uh, and uh, I, I said it earlier, I, I think I'm good at reading. A customer and providing the right experience and the right value. Um, 
whether it's uh, my clients uh, or our guests and customers, uh, they have confidence in uh, what we're going to deliver and doing what we say we're going to do at every level of all the businesses that I'm responsible for. And not just my businesses, when I'm put in charge of helping people develop their businesses as well. I take it very seriously, uh, having the uh, skills and the experience and the wide range of that experience. I'm, uh, I'm able to be a really good judge of, you know, let's discuss what is it, the location? Do you have a cuisine in mind? Are you looking to service a certain customer base? What, what, what is there footfall in the neighborhood? Certain things always work into uh, the equation of how to best build those spaces, those environments. So my, my, my abilities and, and my experience is basically that, how, how to conceptualize and deliver from the beginning to the end and to make it a complete turnkey experience. And there's wonderful designers in the world. There's great manufacturers in the world. There's wonderful owner operators in the world, uh, strategists. Um, and through my experience, I try and, and, and deliver the goods, as they say, and the, the right combination of all to save time, save money, save effort, save energy. Uh, and, you know, I, I believe in being very proactive, not reactive and uh, perceiving what issues could come up and, and planning accordingly, being as diligent as, uh, as you possibly can be and making sure you've done your homework. Uh, you've done everything you can to check items off your list and start by making a good list. So I bring all that into practice and, and I get asked to do all kinds of things and really ready and able to be very flexible uh, and to be able to deliver professional counsel, uh, inspiring thought uh, that isn't just blue sky ideas, things that are thought through that make sense for what the application and the challenges might be. And uh, managing, you know, the, you know, all the aspects of these different, you know, the hospitality businesses and their operation and then 555 design strategy and uh, manufacturing business. How have you done that? As a, how, what is your learning been there as an entrepreneur? Because that's, that's two different beasts in a way. It definitely is. Um, I'm a good listener first, right? Uh, it's a very important, and I preach that, you know, two ears, one mouth, listen at least twice as much as you talk, but listen and organize and lead, uh, provide leadership, counsel, a uh, word they use a lot now is mentoring. I like to teach, don't tell. So with my staff and in all these different businesses, and whether it's my manufacturing design business or the hospitality business, uh, I feel it works all the way is is make sure everybody understands what the job is, um, provide insight and experience and counsel, make sure I've provided all the tools that we need, that they need to do their job well, provide uh, oversight, um, and, you know, not, not micromanage, but manage kind of from above and allow people in some cases to fail, uh, you know, making sure that we don't fall too far but uh, learning from experiences and uh, having a, a, a strong sense of where we should go, but allowing my staff to then grow on their own as well and provide some guardrails. And, you know, in the end, once we've spent the time, once they've gained great experience and they take on more responsibility, I have to manage less and less. And then it just becomes good conversations that we have to have. And that could be with many different departments of what we have in all the different businesses. And then I'm able to kind of manage from above. I, I, think, I think teach, don't tell, and make sure that, uh, that I've spent the time first uh, to uh, demonstrate, to show, and explain. Uh, everybody that knows me knows that I'm the first one willing to do the work. So everybody sees me do the work first then there's no excuses why they should be doing the work. So I provide, you know, that leadership both, uh, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint and a, a teaching standpoint as well. Uh, I have great expectations, but I believe everybody should. And if they want to work in and around my world, they know they're going to get a lot of experience. Uh, and that's my job. They're only going to be better for me, for us, for our business, 
is if I work hard to allow that and, and, and help to make that happen. That's super interesting what you say that it's also about what I call standards, you know, because actually people like to work in an environment where there is standards, where you are set out to perform at a very high level, but it's the way you manage them to get to that level and how you coach them or you mentor them because people don't look for leaders, do they? They look for mentors more than a leader in today's world. What about, you know, you, you built this business, this incredible growth journey about adding things to all the time. What is your approach to growth? Because you know, most entrepreneurs, they have some kind of thing. Either I'm building unicorn businesses or I'm building, you know, high growth businesses or I'm going to build to sell, I'm going to be built to keep or I'm going to keep it small because that's what I want. What is your approach to growth and why that approach? Um, I should start off and say that I never intended to own my own business. It was uh, out of uh, happenstance. I, that might be it. Um, I had left the company that I had been working for after five years post-college, which was a design and display business. I had both learned a lot uh, in the retail segment and the design and display industry uh, and a certain amount of manufacturing. Um, it was at the same time that we built that first bar restaurant and opened. I didn't intend to quit my job and go into the bar business. It's just something I wanted to do and accomplish. Um, but I never intended to start 555 or a business like that. I figured I would go out and get another job in the design industry, um, something that was going to bring in more than uh, the business I was at at the time. But a former client called me and said, hey, you know, we we enjoyed working with you. Would you mind consulting for us and work with us? And I was like, sure. You know, I mean, it wasn't committing to a full time job, but it was a major, major retail corporation. Um, and the guy said to me, the president of the division said, I want to send you a retainer check. Who do I make it out to? And I thought for a second, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um I only got a paycheck in the past for all these different jobs I had throughout. Now, you know, I had my own little side jobs and things, but I said, you know what, let me, let me talk to my buddy who's an attorney and I'll get back to you. And I called my buddy and he said, you need to incorporate. I'll give you the weekend to come up with a name. You need a name for your company and I'll incorporate it for you. And, you know, and you'll start a business. I'm like, oh, okay. So spent the weekend trying to figure out my name. What was I going to do? How was I going to promote it? I'm going to go into business. Now that was it, right? I, I, I was going to get a job, but now I'm going into business. Um, so I spent the weekend. I called him up. I told, I told uh, him what the name was, and we chose to incorporate uh, later that week because it was the end of March, and um, April 1st was uh, that Friday. So my buddy, uh, David, lawyer, drove down to Springfield, Illinois, so he could make sure we were incorporated exactly on April 1st uh, here, April Fool's Day uh, in the States. I don't know if you have that in the UK, but it was kind of a joke to myself. And I'm like, sure, sure, April 1st, 1988, that's going to be the day I incorporated. And an inside joke to myself, I can't believe I'm starting a business. So as far as answering your question about growth, it started from there and, you know, wanting to do well, uh, wanting to do more, take on more responsibility. Then I needed an employee. Then I needed another employee. Then I needed a space. And then it got bigger and bigger by taking on more responsibility. And, and as opportunities would come up or pursue opportunities and started to realize that, yeah, I can do this. And if I have more people around me, I can do a whole lot more and the business can grow. And then I can truly um, deliver a whole lot because what I have to offer seem to be needed. So my ideas of growth are pragmatic and don't grow just because of growth opportunities. You know, grow with uh, what would be uh, measured uh, steps. Uh, don't bite off more than you can chew, but I often take major steps because of my confidence and, and, and knowledge and the ability to grow and succeed. 
but measured growth and, you know, and, and be successful, build great reputation. Um, repeat business is the easiest business to get, right? Uh, you can blow it all on reputation uh, and you'll never get anywhere and wonder why. So it's very important to have repeat customers and people that feel great satisfaction in working with you. And as they grow and they go from one company to another and move up, they're going to call you back because they remember the experience. Um, so that's the idea of growth. Um, the idea of Mar Marvin's food and fuel and the growth of the hospitality side um, and, and its equation with Morgan's food and fuel, our events business in the Fulton Market District is I bought a building on a corner uh, in what is our meatpacking district, former meatpacking district in Chicago, which is now one of the top culinary and retail districts in the country, the Fulton Market District, some of the best of the best. Uh, I've designed and built many of the places for my clients uh, in and around the area, but I bought a building about almost 14 years ago, right on the corner, and I've been developing it uh, over the years. Uh, with the intention, and seven years ago, opened a beautiful rooftop events facility called Morgan's on Fulton. One of the top beautiful views in the city, of the district. Anybody can come and have a wonderful time there. But it was the intention that I had multiple areas of the building, different tenants, retail tenants, a couple other uh, food and beverage tenants that I was putting in as I renovated the building. Um, had a restaurant tenant on the corner. Uh, who I actually let out of his lease a little early, the end of 2019, I guess it was, um, was putting together a deal with a large restaurant group to take over uh, this great restaurant space and, uh, and, and enhance the uh, catering and events level business. Um, and that, that deal went to pot, as they say, uh, late February 2020 with the rest of the world and in March um, of 2020, all of a sudden the obvious and COVID and, and, and the shutdown. Um, and uh, at that point I was then sitting in uh, an empty restaurant uh, as a wonderful venue, Morgan's on Fulton. We were doing great. We were going to have a great year. Uh, started to have to give back all the deposits and try and book rebook people down the road. Oh my God, the world is colliding. Uh, so it wasn't a happy uh, near-term future for me and for that segment of my empty building, right? I had other tenants that fortunately were paying and I had to negotiate deals with them to help them out. Uh, but in this case, I had no opportunity to re rekindle the kind of deal that I was looking at. So it was more out of uh, desperation that I better do something to continue the project uh, and the opportunity to build something that would allow me um, to get going, uh, to complete construction on a, a million dollar retractable glass enclosure I was putting on my roof deck to finish the project for this beautiful event space that was half completed, um, finish our catering kitchen that was part of uh, that project that was going on at the same time, but truly try and look and see what can I do to advance and be prepared for when we could get back to business. So Marvin's Food and Fuel, uh, in four months' time, design, build, renovate, brand, market, and get open, hire, build a menu. Uh, we opened August of 2020 uh, and have done really well, knock wood. Um, um, have worked hard. Uh, both during the pandemic uh, when indoor dining was not allowed. I built some beautiful heated pergolas outside where we could, we could robustly have food and beverage in the middle of the winter in Chicago in a, in a, a great serene setting, uh, but have worked hard to then enhance the Morgan's on Fulton business. We've built our huge culinary team. We have a very wide-ranging culinary program from very approachable, affordable kind of home style, uh, where Marvin's is to the highest level catered events upstairs at Morgan. So happily uh, have worked hard, uh, consistently working hard to build that team. Um, pandemic, uh, masking, all that is on the way out as far as the restrictions. Uh, so we're looking forward to a very robust summer into the fall, into next year. 
Uh, and truly, uh, out of that, I feel very fortunate that we've been able to build the business we have. Uh, and it wasn't anything I intended. I didn't intend to be the operator. I wanted to be the landlord. But now being the operator and growing that business and, you know, using everything I've been doing for all these years, but uh, in something that truly is engaging and inspiring and very neighborhood-like, it's, you know, we are at the end of the culinary spectrum where it's the industry place. It's where all the chefs and all, all the kitchen workers in the front of house come late night after they're done from all the best of the best and neighborhood and first timers and uh, approachable, affordable, great, great culinary execution, very healthy, tasty ideas and options. Uh, and, you know, we always have a seat open for you at the bar. So uh, I feel very fortunate that that's what's come out of uh, the pandemic for me, for us, for the building, but it's hard work and it will continue to be so. And it's very interesting you talk about, you know, sometimes during that career, the things that, that, that happens, you know, the universe gives you a challenge. And in principle, what I hear is like, that has been your growth opportunities. Uh, I just need to, to, yeah. <laughs> to bring that out. I think that that's a beautiful way. In neither case did I plan to do either one of those things. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really interesting when I was sitting and listening to it. What, what about... Um, you uh you, you you say like you're coming out of pandemic like the staffing crisis has that have you seen that it's a huge challenge as well and when you ended up becoming accidental operator have you really struggled with that as well and all the other ventures you're part of yes without a doubt it's across the board uh, i've seen it um being in business for 34 years now at 555 and um being in, in the hospitality side, food and beverage, when we opened in the middle of the pandemic, we could get anybody because everybody was out of a job, right? So there weren't many businesses that were open. It took a very long time. In the States, we had PPP money. You know, there was uh, protection money that the government uh, 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 distributed to businesses that had been open and it wasn't until a lot of businesses actually got that money did they choose to open. We opened, so I had the opportunity to build a staff. But once everybody started open and, and it opened up more, that's when the staffing issue became very apparent. Many people left this industry. Many people started in transportation and with Amazon and, and FedEx and you know companies that were, were thriving because of the at-home delivery business all of a sudden, but truly left the industry. Um, Maybe it was the right time for the right reasons. Um, so, yes, it's been a struggle. It's been a big struggle. Um, it, it's limited our ability to open on certain nights because I don't want to stress our staff. I want to always deliver the highest end experience. And, uh, and I want the staff uh, to feel comfortable in, in making decent money and, and not overpressuring just because I need to be open for later and, and, and more nights. So we've been on uh, a schedule that has us closed on Mondays and Tuesdays at Marvin's uh, since we opened the, uh, and uh, we do open for brunch Saturday, Sunday mornings. We're limited on Sunday nights now. We're, we're hoping to continue into later on Sunday nights, but we are late night for the rest of the week. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to all of a sudden try to open for those additional nights and at risk the quality of the experience and, and the stress on the staff. I want to make sure that everybody's comfortable. Uh, we do see it coming back a little bit uh, as Chicago and Illinois certainly has opened up a lot, uh, but it's still an issue. On the 555 and the design side, big issues as well, where a lot of businesses stopped. If you were in an ancillary or a related industry, like we design in hospitality and hotel and retail, those businesses all stopped very much, very quickly as well. A lot of people were furloughed or, or left those industries as well. Um, so as businesses started to ramp up last year, design firms, manufacturing firms, the hotel industry, everybody's now searching once again for staffing. So, um, across the board, uh, the demand has been high for qualified staff and the demand has been high for any staff. Just hopefully you can find some qualified staff. Um, so it's been a challenge as well. Uh, at 555, we do get people who search us out because we're unique in the design and manufacturing world. So we do have plenty of designers that 
want to learn uh, more aspects of not just the, the design or the environmental aspect, but how does it all actually work and go together. So that helps. Uh, we're always able to uh, uh, train staff and, and give great opportunity there as well. But uh, across the board, everywhere I go, everywhere I travel, staffing is an issue. And I think, yeah, it's interesting. You have failed in so two different businesses as well. It's not just hospitality. It's also in your design business. You, you also on an incredible journey around a master degree program on entrepreneurial hospitality. And I said a bit here in the intro, we will talk about how can you actually learn from hospitality business skills and practices, or how can other businesses learn outside of that? Tell us a bit about that program and how it actually come about because designed hospitality businesses and now developing a, a master degree program together with a university. Yeah. Um, I think it's the story of my life, actually. I think uh, uh, entrepreneurial hospitality, the combination uh, is, is just where I ended up throughout my experiences. Uh, I was contacted about almost five years, five, almost six years ago uh, by the dean at uh, the A.B. Freeman Business School at Tulane University in New Orleans. And uh, the dean, the associate dean came to Chicago. They were given my name by somebody in the, that they knew, a consultant in the hospitality business, I think a alumni from Tulane as well, Freeman Business School, uh, as somebody they should talk to. And we met uh, at my building. We talked about my experience, and then they explained to me that the business school had done some research for the uh, last number of years, prior number of years, on defining what kind of programs they should add to their fabulous business school. And they ended up on hospitality and entrepreneurship uh, with their business school. And, and, and the idea that there, there, there needs to be a better combination of those, that if they can take some of the ideas of hospitality and infuse different aspects of business and not the traditional hospitality industry, hotels, restaurants, bars, what have you, travel. Um, is, there a, is there a confluence of hospitality and entrepreneurship and how could businesses outside of the traditional hospitality industry learn from guest experience and, and what we truly live and work towards uh, and provide in the hospitality industry? So that was the discussion, that they were looking to build a master's candidate program within the business school that was utilizing the skills and techniques and ideas and passions uh, that, that come from hospitality and how we can influence that in all these other businesses, whether it's uh, healthcare, uh, accounting, legal practices, pretty much any place that you're providing goods and services and your expect, expectation is uh, to uh, be remunerated for those goods or services and to build, let's say, loyalty and repeat customers. And, and what can you do to uh, utilize these skills for that? So we talked about it. Um, I jumped in right away because all of a sudden light went off in my head. Like I never put those two words together. I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I've always been in the service industry, um, which is broader than even just, you know, just hospitality, retail as well. Um, and it light bulb went off. It dawned on me that truly is what I've become, what my story of my life has been about. So we've been working for uh, since that time, first on creating the program, uh, both the documents, uh, the marketing materials, the, the course ideas. Uh, what was going to be the takeaways for the students? First, the document to then present to the stakeholders, the university, uh, the alumni, and then those that we were going to look for funding and support, and then turn that document to document into something that we would sell to the potential students. So the idea of getting students to then buy into something they've never really heard of, especially this is not a culinary school. They do not have a culinary program. They don't have a hotel management program uh, like at some of the, the major 
institutions in the United States. This is not about culinary and hospitality management. So we worked on my company, 555, with my leadership and a few of the other stakeholders, uh, A.J. Brooks, who's my counterpart there, professor in real estate at Tulane University currently. Um, we worked on putting this program together. And over the years, uh, and really started prior to the pandemic, having uh, engagements in, in classroom, uh, in building businesses, utilizing hospitality as the base uh, for those students. So it's an intensive program uh, that they go through where we go from the entirety of conceptualizing what business, what goods, what services, and then going throughout created branding, sales, marketing, you know, P&Ls, you name it. So uh, the students truly go through the beginning to end of building businesses. And these are business masters. So the businesses, and you know, they are lawyers. And, and in some cases, you know, they're from finance. And in some cases, they truly are inspired by hospitality, especially after we go through these programs. So um, that truly is what the program is about. Uh, during the pandemic and all the students having to uh, work from home and uh, work remote, uh, we've been doing that the last couple of years, but are looking forward to getting back into the physical presence with the students, uh, but truly utilizing what we know about guest experience and hospitality and, you know, trying to make sure that all those things can be utilized to, as I said earlier, build repeat business, build a, a, a great quality feeling when somebody walks away and wants to recommend you. Uh, like I said earlier, again, the easiest sale is that second sale after after somebody's been intrigued, excited, enthused, uh, they will come back and they will they will be a consistent uh, uh, guest. Yeah, and I guess it was really interesting. Some of the most successful hospitality businesses, that's what they're good at, is that trial repeat and the repeat keep on coming because there's so much trust in that experience and deliver every time that they want to come back and it just becomes sticky and sticky. And I know some of my friends that runs our restaurants, especially one of them, he's been running this restaurant almost now for 25 years and not much have changed. Of course, they've updated some things and menu changes, but it's like the experience still the sticky thing. And, and that's what makes the, it has a huge loyal following uh, and, and a, a membership club. Yeah, genuine, authentic, right? You you definitely you just said it. I want to be part a member of that club, right? I think a lot of it is also. Uh, I guess I'd have to. Um, I'm not going to credit Gary Friedman, but I, I will in the way of chairman of uh, Restoration Hardware RH, major chain of home furniture and decorative stores in the United States. Um, he changed Restoration Hardware into RH. He built this first RH gallery here in Chicago in a beautiful old Beaux-Arts building. And he put a little cafe in the middle of this huge, beautiful uh, retail store, furniture retail store, with the intention to want to build a place where people want to come and hang out in a beautiful environment because every one of the vignettes of the furniture in the environment is full on RH. And it's so beautiful. And, and you could outfit every aspect of your home there and he has all these beautiful vignettes. So he put this beautiful restaurant experience in the middle of it and it clicked. And at 10 in the morning, people are waiting online outside, not to shop for furniture, to hang out at RH and created a hospitality program in and around his retail program. And he wrote an article that I read and I was really, you know, informed by it and enthused by it. I felt it was important because he talked about the shift he saw in his business. And uh, the shift he felt was coming, and I've counseled and worked with many corporations now on the same thing, but changing from the retail side of a, what is a promotional business, right, where you're trying to sell and promote and sell and promote, to a membership experience, right? And we've seen the proliferation of private membership clubs, Soho House, and a number of wonderful places where you'll pay up to, to be in an environment uh, that is more contoured to your world. So I love the idea of changing from a promotional-based business where there's competition for price and this and this and this and this and this to, no, I want to be a member of that club. Everything they do is great. 
they speak to me, I speak to them, I feel comfortable. So I truly looked at that as, yep, we want everybody to be members of our world, right? Uh, and I want businesses that um, exude that, right? That, that are thoughtful, that are authentic. Um, and it's not easy to do that. We get asked as designers, oh, make this place look cool and local. I want it to be a local place. It's very hard, right? It's very hard, but there's ways to do that. So, you know, getting, getting that membership stake, that builds loyalty for life. So I, I truly think that's very, very powerful. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of industries that, that can learn from that. That's very focusing on the, the promotional or the commodity, the race to the bottom, who can sell the cheapest. And that's, a, that's a, often a race that most people will lose. But there's always somebody that's willing to discount you and your price. Uh, that program, the, the, the Entrepreneurial Hospitality Master Program, it comes also, I know from our other conversations, driven by your passion about mentorship and want to give people skills that elevate them. Can you talk a bit more about that and where that comes from? I guess I've always felt that um, in order to be in the position I'm in, well, I, I started teaching soccer when I was playing soccer. And, you know, the older kids had to teach the younger kids uh, when I was a, a, a little kid. Um, you know, the excitement that would come from seeing somebody learn something new. I taught swimming, beginner swimming. When I, I, I was working at the hotel, I was a pool boy. I got my life-saving certificate. I also then started... Uh, teaching beginner swimming at the local YMCA. Uh, and I was very young, but uh, I, I had an ability to explain, to instruct, to relate. Um, so it's it's been in everything I've ever done. Every job, every business I've ever owned, I always felt it was very important to explain, to provide opportunity, um, and you know, God knows I've employed thousands and thousands and they don't all still work for me and they move on to greatness. And I feel great about that. I feel great that after people have spent time with me and my businesses and interacting, eventually they're going to go on. Yeah. A lot stay. Um, but they have skills and experiences and tools that go well beyond any normal job. Uh, and I feel great about that. Um, and I feel great when I see those that work for me go on to great success as well. That if I had anything to do with, if there were any takeaways for them, I know that there were. I know that when you work in my world, um, I take great pride in wanting to see growth and pe people out and say, you know, you're doing great. Have you ever thought about a career in X and what that might be? So I guess I've been a teacher uh, my entire life um, and I can. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I teach professionals. Uh, I tell people often, you know, I, I, I train professionals because I get them out of college, right out of college, right? Or just before they out of, get out of college. And college doesn't really teach you how to go out in the world of work. It might teach you one skill or another. Certainly in the arts world, it doesn't teach you anything about an opportunity in the world. So I, I, I take great pride in it and, and the importance of uh, teachers that, that, you know, truly look deep into and want to provide um, great ideas and excitement about what is an opportunity and what, what they can do with it. So, yeah, that passion for that uh, will consistently be with me. Um, I, I enjoy that. Do you believe we need more mentorship in the world we are in right now? It's a very, you know, challenge, challenging world. And there's less and there's less and less available. Um, you know, I think the technology and certainly the Zoom world is kind of crushing a lot of interpersonal engagement that is so important to have. Uh, learning by the hip of somebody who's ahead of you. You know, um, it's hard on a it's hard on a Zoom call. Uh, it's easier when you're physically in, 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 in environments with. Uh, we have that here in my businesses, which is great. But so many businesses are so detached from the physicality now, right? And, and I truly do feel that 
kids have to search it out now. It's not so readily available, right? And and yeah, if you can get into college, that's one thing, but experience is another, right? You, you can't get experience until you get an internship. You hope something could come from your internship that is of great value that you can use to promote and market yourself to the next level. Um, and, you know, I... Everything I can do to as many as I can affect, I'm happy to do it because I know that there is a great um, dearth of opportunities like these. Um, But it is very important. Um, Without it, people could spend many, many, many years uh, in frustration and trying to succeed and never really finding great success. Uh, So I think it is very important because it, it... I don't want to make it say it makes a shorter road. You still have to put the time, the effort, and the energy in no matter what. There's no easy way. It is work. Um, But the successes come uh, really, I think, come with uh, ideas and experience that are learned. Uh, And until you can get out there and and learn it all, you know, it's going to be hard. So finding a great mentor, finding opportunities where you can uh, dial into some of that experience, very important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, it's really interesting to say with the, the whole, you know, the Zoom, the, the online thing, maybe we, we've forgotten that actually, you know, you, you can have a conversation on Zoom, but you can never translate wisdom in that kind of way where you sit in the same room with body language. You can really read how the person feels. Are they actually ready to get this information now or do I need to, to take conversation somewhere else? And it's really interesting. I never thought about that myself, but I can really see that as a challenge because a lot of people talk about online mentoring and I always find when I meet my mentor, which is uh, almost 75 now, um, I go to meet him because I also want his energy because from a 75 years old, he is very energetic and still hungry opportunity and i think that's so inspiring i want to end there that's what i how i would feel when i'm 75 with the same wisdom as he has or, or more even um what about the uh, hospitality it's a new era people talk about and now you're deeply ingrained in it from for many angles and you know launching a business in the pandemic it's a very different game now or it's probably still that the foundation of the game is the same but it's like we, we play on other parameters than before what is your view on the future for hospitality? I'm bullish on the future. I'm, I'm invested deeply in it, um, going strong into the future. Um, I think, you know, flexibility um, is always very important. I've always been very flexible in all my ideas about business and, and being able to roll with the punches of uh, what the industry, what the world, you know, delivers uh, and taking advantage of opportunities and learning from mistakes. Um I'm very excited about the opportunities I have on the corner of Fulton and Morgan uh, uh, with this robust neighborhood building up around us. That's why I invested there a long, long time ago. Um, It's a bummer that it hasn't come to fruition and the fruits of my labor over the last five years because it should have. But I'm still very excited and and working hard into the future there Um, and other projects. So, you know, I'm, I'm Post-pandemic now, um, lots of uh, hospitality entrepreneurs out investing in real estate, investing in opportunities and businesses, getting back to business. Uh, you know, it's it's an awful thing that so many businesses didn't survive the pandemic, but, you know, it does provide opportunities for others. Um, I think people are going to have to be smarter about it, you know, being in business now. Um, uh, the old tricks don't always necessarily work. Uh, I think that's good as well and providing the the opportunity to try new things and, and the excitement, and the experimentation. Um, I think so many wonderful established businesses really had to turn on a dime and come up with great dynamic things to do during the pandemic, which uh, were so far out of their wheelhouse that they would have never been pushed to do things um, that they would have never done in their entire life, which really turned into great business opportunities outside of what would have been their core business. So I, I see a lot of that and I'm excited for that. Yeah. And I guess one, uh, one person I talked with here in the podcast also said like, this has been, you know, if we can keep that kind of 
innovation levels what can and not become because if we can innovate in that speed under pressure if we just took some of that speed and actually innovated before we had to then we would be a very progressive industry um and, and sometimes we looked at a bit slow from from other sectors from an innovation point of view and i agree the the, the pandemic had really shown that the sector is really adaptable and flexible um and we just have to keep on doing that what has um i know you are you are you are you're a strong reader as well um james and you love books um so uh, if you had to give like I'll, I'll keep you at one book like one book that the audience need to read and why do they need to read it it's probably a book that really transforms something in your life good question um the world atlas i would say the world atlas um i'm big into maps um i think people don't really know anything about the world a lot of people i think it's important to go around the world whether you can in the metaverse with vr or travel or go to a library get an atlas i think people have to look outside of their general surroundings and look for experiences um get excited excited and enthused about things like that so um i read a lot of different books um for a lot of different reasons but i think the atlas and what that means and globalization and truly understanding impact and regions um and where cultures come from um and and how they've intersected or overlapped and learning about um all of that is very important and, and i think that i think not enough people have the opportunity to truly think outside of the general world that they live in and they should that's my that's my answer that's my answer that's a super interesting answer because uh i know the book you're talking about i haven't looked at it for years but i it's it's again about understanding that there's more to the world than your what your eye experiences every day and this is the biggest thing about that you need to see the world from all the angles possible to understand what the world actually is or get your understanding because it changes all the time and i love that that's a, that was a very good answer actually and maybe a couple of travel guides as well maybe. yeah um what what about you you you've been in business 35 years how do you keep on, you know, showing up pro as Michael Jordan called it? You know, we have to show up pro every day and, and no matter what day it is, we need to play a good game. I don't know if you can see this, but you see that diamond hoop right there in my ear? Right yeah. There? Do you see that? Well, that's me vibing with MJ here in Chicago. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah. You know, during the pandemic, I needed a, I needed a, a little, I needed a charge. You know, I was pretty beat down with everything going on. and. Um, I've always worn a little wire hoop earring, uh, and one morning, early morning, sleepless, I, 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 the earring goes flying out as I'm brushing my hair, and I'm like, oh, my God. So what am I going to do? I can't leave the house. I've had an earring for 45 years. And I remember these diamond hoops I bought for my wife a long, long time ago, and I came home and presented her with these, and she goes, oh. I said, oh, you're not very enthused about them. <laughs> She said, well, I don't look good in hoops. I'm like, oh, okay. So I put them away. And there I was one morning, stressed out, pressure, pandemic. I said, you know what? I need a new attitude today. So I went and I found, I said, you know, MJ, right? The GOAT. I, well, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay is the true greatest of all time. But MJ in the basketball world. And I said, you know, I'm going to start sporting that MJ vibe right now. So I put that earring in. And I went to work. But big picture, uh, every day is a new day. I can't do much about yesterday. I have today and tomorrow. Um, I, for some reason, have a smile on my face, even on stressful days, with the ability to go back at it and have opportunities. Um, I have to be a leader. I have to be positive. I believe in positive mental attitude, PMA all the way. Um, be a great organizer. Uh, cool head prevail, you know, and, and, and that's my job. So I, I can't be down. Um, I mean, I have my times, but my job is to not just show a great face, but to lead with a great face. And, 
and, and to promote and to build and to, um, you know, get through every day. There's a, there's a tomorrow I can do something about. So that's what my intention is. Um, so, so a lot of people I've talked with here on the show, when I ask this question, well, they, you know, often some of the times they, they talk about different things, but they have kind of a structure they follow. And it sounds like you had your morning thing where you get ready and then suddenly it gets, you know, disrupted and therefore you need to go and fix it because it's like almost a ritual the kind of do you have rituals do you start and end your day with to make sure that you, that it feels like we started well and closed off well somewhat I, i'm i'm habitual um a beast of habit i think that's important um not not bad habits that are detrimental but you know certain processes you go through um you know i always put my keys in the right place because i never want to lose my keys right you know i always certain things that give me the confidence that those things are taken care of so I can focus on all the crazy shit that's going to go on. And, and, um, so I do, um, I get up early, very early. I don't, I don't set alarm ever. I travel a lot. So I'm up out early to airplanes. Um, I'm up early to then pop through, you know, a few different destinations throughout the day. Um, Truly, I have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee on the weekends, uh, read the sports page a little bit. It kind of just gets my head out of world politics and crap like that. Want to see what's going on in uh, some sports I follow. I look at my calendar, um, think about what's going on throughout today, uh, uh, next couple of days as well. Just quickly reprioritize, you know, what I had going on because, you know, a, for sure, shit from yesterday impacted things for today and going forward. Uh, prioritize myself a little bit. Uh, and then I take off and I get in the car and I'm usually 20 minutes. And during that time, I'm thinking about strategy. I'm thinking about design idea. I get to 555 early in the morning. We have meetings, discussions, and the manufacturing design side. I'm in 20 minutes in my car to the Fulton Market District. So at that point, I'm, I'm using that time to kind of think about st- strategy ideas and meetings I'm going to have there. And then 20 minutes home later, whenever that is, I'm thinking about some of the personal things that, you know, are going on as well. Um, I try not to be on the phone all the time in a car. I know a lot of people are always on the phone trying to get caught up. That's my time to organize and, um, and, and to give myself an opportunity to not decompress as much as kind of reorganize or, or prioritize certain things or get some strategy and, you know, some challenging things done. So, you know, it's those three trips in the car. It's that early morning. Um, I spent a lot of time, as I said, traveling. So uh, in hotel rooms, on planes, I'm able to find my time that I can, you know, truly uh, get to the things I need to do that prepares me and allows me to really show up for all the other businesses that I'm involved with. So being a beast of that habit and and utilizing it for that it truly helps me uh, organize and, and, and stay positive and proactive. Super, super interesting. Everybody has their own ways to 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 create these, you know, these free spaces and how they structure the days up in, in different ways. And I think it's fascinating. You need what I normally say and what's the learning is here when I told people is that you need to find your own unique way, like many other things in life. You need, but you can get inspired for some of the most experienced people in the world, but you need to find your approach and it will probably change as the environment you're in and the time what kind of habits you have or rituals you have i had a guy ask me i I was just going to say a guy asked me a few weeks ago uh, do you meditate and i thought for a second i said well i i don't meditate i don't have a meditative practice but i meditate my own way i find my place right I, i i definitely you know in that case whether it's in the car in between and, and that's thinking, but, you know, problem solving solutions, or I'll get into my shop and studio and I'll work on things that I, I can get rid of all the clutter. So I find my places to meditate and, and find my, my being, uh, but I don't meditate as a practice. That was interesting when you say that because many leaders don't hold the space where they say, this is my time. I don't pick up the phone. I don't, answer email i don't have meeting at that point like you have to create these moments in some kind of way because else how to 
how the hell are you going to organize all the, the, the what's coming at you? And because you need to be present when you arrive, because as you can't listen, as you talked about um, in the beginning, because you have used all your broadband and listening is some of the hardest thing to really do, because you need not just to listen, look like you're listening. You also need to capture what they're saying and not saying in principle. So yeah, I, I love that. I love that, James. Um, so moving on to the last couple of questions, like if you were giving, you know, you know, uh, the stage to give like your top three advice to, to leaders out there, what they should be, you know, doing right now to accelerate their businesses. What would that be? I, I said it earlier, time, effort, and energy. I think you have to put it in. Um, you have to be smart. You have to have skills. I mean, all these things, but the time, effort, and energy. I think a lot of people don't truly understand what it means to uh, lead a business, to start businesses, to 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 put everybody else ahead of yourself. Literally, you know, um, if the employees don't get paid, I don't get paid, right? It's it's one of those things when you're starting your own business. Uh, if the suppliers don't get paid, you don't get paid. So putting the time and the effort and energy is most important and a lot of people don't necessarily understand that um you know accelerating your business sure you have to be smart about how can i accelerate my business um what does that mean in many different industries is it more guest counts in an evening it's broadening a menu it's it's starting on an offshoot business um that's just a part of each different type of business sectors opportunities that are there um, do your research. I like to say, do your push-ups. You know, be ready for for what you're about to uh, take on. Be in shape for it. Um, it's crushing. It truly is. Um, it's it's carrying a lot of burdens, um, carrying a lot of um, responsibility, other people's projects, other people's money. Uh, if we weren't good at what we did. If I was a de facto leader, if some Joe Blow first-time designer got away with something that didn't get picked up and it ended up being a real killer for a client's project when it was too late after they opened, there goes your reputation. There goes my reputation. So you got to put the effort and energy in and the time it takes to you know, truly go where you think the business could go and take it there. Great, great advice, uh, James. Um, is there one question you wish I've asked you uh, and uh, I didn't do? And uh, what would you have answered? Uh, you know, not to put you in a can with everybody else, but usually everybody ends up with, what's your favorite project? <laughs> and I only have one answer, and it's the last one done. That's the same answer I've always had. It's the last one done. Um, Projects for me, they, they take a long time from beginning to end. Um, I have a unique gift that I see in 3D and Technicolor, and I know what they all look like, you know, as, as I'm just thinking in my mind. I don't render on a computer. We have staff that helps. I draw with pens and pencils, and I make sketches. But I have the unique ability to know what it all looks like way before it's done. So the projects become effort and energy and time and issues and challenges. So getting to it being done, oh, and getting paid, that's it. So last one done, and we got paid. Yeah, love that, love that, because it's very in the now as well. Well, you can you can only celebrate what's in the now often. You know, rest is hopes and dreams. Yeah. You got it. By the, time, by the time it opens, it's celebration for the client. We've got 15 other projects we're working on at that time, and I'm just happy... The guest is, you know, I, I like to stand in the background. I like to see how people engage. I like to see the smiles and the faces. I like the client to walk over and say, thank you so much. And then I move on. Yeah, great, great. Where can people find out more about you, 555, the restaurant, the hospitality side, the, the entrepreneurial program? You know, there, there's so much. <laughs> um, well, 555.com, that's three numbers. Uh, great, great. 34 years of great photos and images and, and products and, and environments we've worked on. Marvin'sFoodAndFuel.com and Morgan'sOnFulton.com for the restaurant and the events and catering business. Um, if you're ever in Cody, Wyoming, the east entrance of Yellowstone Park, come in and visit us at the Cody Steakhouse. And 
Tulane at the Freeman Business School. So uh, A.J. Brooks, as I said, is my counterpart down there, professor extraordinaire. Uh, and the program uh, will be growing as we're coming out of the pandemic and, and working hard to truly uh, engage and give opportunity and agency to a lot of people that are going to go on and kill it. Great. Thank you so much, James, for, for joining us uh, today and, and sharing your, your journey, your wisdom, your, your thoughts about the future of hospitality and also uh, you know, how we actually become better leaders. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate it. A great time. Call me anytime. James, thank you so much. Really loved your philosophy around hospitality entrepreneurship and how that can be transferred to other industries and the power of thinking big. You should now reflect and start asking yourself, are we thinking big enough in the new era of hospitality in our business? And to get further inspiration on how to think big, tune in to episode 127 with Barry O'Reilly, co-founder of Nobody Studios, on how to unlearn. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via our website, hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or via their social at bizsimply or at bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlton, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. And tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter and more Maverick Insights at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick.